Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. So we've been in this, this series titled, I Have So Much to Tell You. And if you haven't been here um, yet, this series really has kind of come out of uh, scripture in John 16, 12, where Jesus is, is basically saying, or he does say, I have so much to tell you, so much more to tell you, but you can't bear it now. And, and we were thinking about just how much he did tell us and how much that should cause us to be the same way. And I, I want each and every one of us to, to be going out to wherever we are and, and be like, I've got so much to tell you. God has done so much in my life, and here is who he is, and, and here's what he wants for us, and, and he wants a relationship, or just all these things that, that we know of who God is and what he's done for us, that, that it causes us to just have this mindset of, I have so much to tell you. You know, we get that way. We get that way about secrets and, and gossip and, you know, who won the Super Bowl or, you know, who messed up or who did whatever. You know, we get that way about all kinds of things, but are we getting that way about God, about what he's done? So we're going to be in Luke 14, and, and Jesus is at this dinner. He goes uh, to somebody's house, to a religious leader's house, to eat bread and basically have, have a meal uh, with some people. And so he's there at this meal, and, the, and somebody sa- says to him, he's like, uh, he's like, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he's like, you know, this guy, I, I don't know about you. I just, I like to think about like, you know, maybe who the guy was, what his personality was like, or maybe like he thought he was like, look, I'm going to say something good, you know? <laughs> I'm going to say something. It's going to be real good. And, and Jesus is going to love it. Everybody's going to love it. It's going to be awesome. And he's like, blessed is he. So Jesus decides to tell a parable. You know, he says this, and then she's like, yeah, great statement, bro. But then he says in Luke 14, verse 16, he says, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are ready now. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. Can I please be excused? Still another, I've married a wife and therefore I can't come. (laughs) (laughs) Best Rick's like, yep. I got married, and I'm not going to be able to come. (laughs) 
So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring here the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And the servant said, master, it's done as you commanded and still there's more room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that None of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. All right. So Jesus tells us this parable, and he's like, there's this, this guy, this, he's going to set up a banquet and a feast, and, and it's going to be amazing. This amazing dinner party, you know? He's going to have everybody over and just serve all the greatest food, and, and, and he invites people over. The invitations were sent. They knew they were supposed to be there. But when the time came, there was just other things that were happening. And there's so much more in the story. I'm going to get to it. But what I was thinking about, about this parable, about this scripture as I was reading it is, I, I, don't, I don't know, and maybe I haven't listened to everybody that's preached about it, but that, that so much... Emphasis is placed on those that didn't come as much as those that he invited and said, here, we're going to invite everybody else. There's, there's no, you know, um, you know, there's nobody we're not going to invite to this banquet. But he says, first, there was some that were invited. No, I was just thinking, there were some that were supposed to be there, right? They were already invited. And who, who were those people? Well, think about it. When you have like a party, a dinner party, you know, something at your, at your house, or maybe it's a birthday, maybe it's just because you cleaned your house and you want to have people over. I don't know. But, I mean, that's what we feel like, you know? It's true. It's like the house is clean. It's spick and span. Let's invite people over. Not going to be over for another month, but that's okay. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but there were those that were invited. Who do you invite? You invite your family. You invite your close friends. So who is he talking about here? He's talking about those that were supposed to be here. He's talking about us that already know him, that already have this relationship with him. And that hit me hard because I don't want to be so caught up or preoccupied that I'm not ready to come in or ready whenever he is saying the dinner is ready. It's, it's prepared. It's time to come to the feast. And imagine this is our life, right? Our life is we've gotten the invitation and this feast is to spend eternity with him. It's really to be invited into this, into this eternal supper party, you know? This eternal joy, this eternal feast, and, and he's invited us to it. But are we letting things in this life distract us from who he is? Are we letting things that go on, right? It's, it's like, you know, I got married. I don't think I'm going to be able to come. 
you know, and, and you could take this and be like, yeah, the wife was just, you know, and she wouldn't, you know, let him, no. I, I think you're just preoccupied, you're just enamored, you're just, you know, you're just like, ah, oh, like I, I'm looking at my wife and, and, and thinking more about my plans, the things that we want to do together rather than the plans and the things that I want to do with God. Like, am I, am I thinking about, is that just taking me away from what God wants for me? You know, I, I, bought, I bought five yoke of oxen. I, I bought these cattle, you know, and, and they're going to be there tomorrow, but I can't come today. You know, I can't put this off. I'm going to have to test them and make sure that they work well and that they do what they're supposed to do. You know, we get caught up in things that, that you know, we are buying or things that, that we are doing. Like, this is my work. This is, this is the, you know, how I make a living. You see, none of these things are bad. Do you get that? None of these things are wrong. It's not that these things are wrong, but he's saying you are actually allowing whatever it is, it's work or, you know, money or, or, you know, your marriage to take you away from me. The thing itself isn't bad, but what it is doing, don't allow it to take you away from me. says, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. You know, it, it's not, this, this isn't, you know, about where he's asking them to come from. You know, really, the story that he's telling is he's saying that he's like, there is my people Really, in this story, he was talking, you know, about those religious leaders, the Jewish leaders and all those people. And like, look, you guys are so preoccupied with all your stuff and think that you have it together that you're actually going to miss the banquet. You're actually going to miss the thing that I have for you. And he says, so go out in the highways and the byways, go out. We've gone and asked everybody. There's people that have come in. And, and he says, go out in different places. Go and find people to come in to this banquet that I've set. It's not where he said to go. The point is, is that the invitation is for anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter where they are. And, and I think about this in myself, being that I've, let's say, let me say it this way. If you've already gotten the invitation and you're supposed to be there, and we know and have this relationship with him. First of all, that we don't miss the banquet because we've gotten preoccupied. And second of all, to understand that this isn't just an exclusive party. This isn't a party or a banquet that's just for certain people. The raised in a certain way or a certain place. But he says the invitation is sent out to all, to all the places. 
But to enjoy this food, I, I think about, I think about, you know, if you come to, uh, let's just say Christmas or Thanksgiving or even Easter, you know, any of these times where it's like, I don't know if you're like me, but it's, it's like you eat way too much. You know, there's all the, the special food for, for those holidays. And if you're like me, you kind of try to prepare yourself for that, you know? It's like preparing yourself for the Olympics. Like, what do I got to do to get my stomach where it's ready to eat all this food? And then I'm going to take and, and fast for a little while before. So I got lots and lots of space to eat food, you know? But I was thinking about, like my kids, at dinner, really any dinner time, you know, they come and they're like, well, I'm not that hungry. You know why? It's because you ate all the snacks before. I saw you like five times go in there and grab, you know, like a cookie and, a, and some chips and then a cheese stick and then all this, like there's wrappers everywhere. You've eaten so much food, you're, you're not hungry for the dinner that was actually prepared for you. Are we trying to fill ourselves up with all this other stuff? Or maybe not trying, but we're allowing ourselves to be filled up with all this other stuff. And God's got this dinner prepared for us. He's got this banquet, this feast set up for us. And we're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really actually hungry. See, to enjoy the taste of what God has for us. We've got to stop stuffing ourselves with the other stuff, with the stuff, maybe you say, you know, like of the world, the, the stuff of the entertainment or the whatever. And again, you know, you can get into these places where it's like, I'm going to throw my TV out, I'm going to bury it in the yard, or I'm going to, you know, I, I, I'm going to, you know, smash it with a bat or whatever. You know, you get all these things. It's not necessarily bad. But the point is, is it drawing you away from God? Is it filling you up with something that actually has no nutrients in it? Like, I've been eating these chips and, and, and the cookies and all this stuff. It made me feel good for a second, but it's actually not helping my health, you know? Like, I'm not healthy. I'm just filling up all this snack. So you can take that and relate that to just all this stuff. The social medias. You know? My kids hate it when I was like, start talking about that. Because it's like, I mean, especially now for the younger generations, but it's not just them. I'm going to call some of you older people out. You're on there and just, again, let me preface, not that it itself is bad, but what is it doing to us? How much time? I, look, I'll call myself out too. If I get on to like a 
like Facebook or Instagram, you know? And do you know, I think maybe I've said this before, but Facebook and those kind of, you know, social media programs used to stop and make you load the next page. But they did studies and found that if your brain has a stopping point that it comes to, then it's way more easier to get off and stop. So they got rid of the load more button. Because if your brain doesn't come to a point when it stops, it's just going to keep scrolling and keep going and keep filling your, your soul with all that stuff. They don't want you to get off of it. Look, it's really funny because I've... It's, just a simple little story, but I have literally noticed this in playing a simple game on my phone, okay? Just to give you an illustration. It's, it's a game with the little blocks and you fill in the place and you got to do it and make them disappear, right? Whenever it comes to a point, like I won't stop playing it sometimes, unless I have to, I won't stop playing it until I lose, and I'll be like, okay, I can stop. Like, I've literally told myself that. And I realized that my brain was looking for a place to stop. It didn't want to just stop in the middle. I wanted to either win, which that game you can't win. You just keep going, which is really annoying. You either want to, you know, your brain either wants to win and complete it or find a place that will stop you. And the problem is, is in so many places in, in our world, in our worldview, all these things that we've got going on, there's not really these stopping points because they know that you'll stop if there's a place that really helps you to check out of it. So they're not going to help you. You have to do it yourself. And I think about how easy it is for us to say, well, you know, that's enough of spending time reading my Bible. I'll give myself 10 minutes and I'll stick to it, you know? <laughs> give yourself 10 minutes of the game or the social media and then go to your Bible. How about that? How, how about that? See, this is the food. This is the banquet, you know, that he's inviting you to, this eternity with him. And this is what he wants to fill you up with. This is what he wants you to be preoccupied with so that we can be prepared and ready to enter in when the banquet's ready. I don't, I don't want to get to that point, you know? It's like, I, I mean, I, I imagine that's the end of my life. And that's when the banquet's ready. When Jesus calls us all home or whenever, I just, just me, I get called home. I don't know whichever comes first. But he says, come on in. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I bought some cows. You know, like, I, I'm so sorry. I actually was preoccupied and I don't have the relationship with you that I should have. 
that I don't actually know you as much as I should have because I was worried so much more about all this stuff than about the invitation that you sent. Luke 14, 25, it says, Now great multitudes went with him. So many, many people started gathering around him and going with him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. He's taking this thing and, and pushing it hard, you know? It's like, you know, when somebody doesn't get something, and it's, I, I, you know, he's still saying, saying this in a way that might be a little confusing. You know, it's Jesus in the parables and the, the stories. You know, he, he wants us to think about it and, and come and ask him what it means and how it relates to our, our life, you know? And he says, I'm going to drive this a little bit further. And actually, if, if you don't, Hate your mother and your father, your sisters, your brother, and even yourself. You, if you basically just don't hate everybody, you're not going to be able to be my disciple. So what does he say? And you're like, wait, I actually have to hate my family? I need to, I need to loathe them, hate them? No, that's not what he said. But if you think of it in a way of how much you love something, can you love somebody so much that makes, it makes you disinterested in somebody else? Yeah. Or something else? That you're so infatuated, so in love with someone. And he's saying, listen, if, if I want to take this and what I feel about it, my paraphrase, would you please just love me so, so, so much? That even it, it, your, the, the love or the care or infatuation you have with your wife or whatever, just, which is still an incredible love and infatuation you have. But can you love me so much that it actually looks like, comparatively to the love you have with your family, that you hate them? Can, can you love me that much? And he's like, listen, can you choose me? Can you choose me over anybody else? Are you worried more about your family or what your family says than what God says? Because I know there's many of us that have family and friends and people that are going to be in agreement and speak God into our lives, you know, give us the good stuff. But we also have family that aren't. Family members that aren't going to agree, that aren't going to be speaking life into us. And are we going to care about and love Him so much that those things don't even matter? Do you love Him more than anything? Verse 27, and whoever, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. If you don't bear your cross, 
What's he say? Are you willing to carry the cross? Are you willing to hold the weight of this relationship with him? Not just when it's easy. Not just when nobody comes against it. But when people are coming to ridicule and to persecute and to call out. Can we bear the cross? Can we bear? Say, no, I am carried. See this? This is what I'm sticking with. Can we hold on to him even in the midst of a ridicule and, and, and somebody saying, what are you doing? Do you really believe that? That's what I believe that, that he's trying to get out of us in this. We're willing to hold, hold on to him, even in the midst of opposition. Verse 28, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who seek begin to mock him, saying, the man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet with, who, uh, with him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. It's interesting. He's like, he, he's, he's saying, listen, I, I'm gonna give you real world examples for their time, Okay because you don't have like armies of 10,000, but he's saying, who goes out to build a house and doesn't even think about it? Like you are taking so much time preparing, studying, learning, growing, doing all these things to know how to build, to know when to build, to know how much material it takes, what it what it costs, you know, all these different things. You would spend all this time preparing and doing that to build a house. Are you taking that time to build your relationship with him? Or, or what, what king that, you know, has an army of 10,000 and sees this other king coming with many more and that he doesn't weigh the options, that doesn't think about it, like, yeah. I don't know. We'll just go out there and see what happens. But so many times we get all, why does willy-nilly come in my brain? I don't want it to. But we get all willy-nilly about our relationship with God when we don't about anything else. We, we get all loose and, and, and carefree and like, yeah, it's fine. I got this relationship. You know, it's cool. I don't have to do anything. But man, I'm down here in the trenches trying to figure out and study and, and figure out how I can build this house or how I can negotiate not going to war or do whatever, you know, all these things. You spend so much time on all these other things, is what he's saying. But 
are we spending that with him? So he says in verse 33, So likewise, whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean just walk away from everything. But would you be willing to? And I, I do ask myself that sometimes. And it's one of those things that we all can say, Oh yeah, totally I would. And we won't know till it happens. But maybe if it happens... You know, that's the point. That's, that's the point where you have to make that decision. And will we be able to make that decision? You know, if, if, he, calls, if he calls my family to Mongolia. <laughs> so I watched this documentary a long time ago. It was actually, it was 2003, I think. And I was like, I want to go to Mongolia. And Tori's like, there's nothing there. It's like nomadic people in, you know, these yurts. And I'm like, yeah, how awesome is that? Like ride around on horses and, and like move from place to place for like a month. Let's just go. Come on, let's go. But, but if he really called you, like if he called, like would I be able to just say, yeah, whatever? That's what he's asking. Would you, if you don't forsake all, you can't be my disciple. In closing, I'm just going to close with this. In Luke 14, verse 35, 34 and 35, it says, salt is good. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned. It's neither fit for land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. You know, I was just, again, thinking about the scripture and I was thinking like, you know, we're supposed to be salt, right? We're supposed to flavor the world around us with who God is. We're supposed to have a flavor that change. Look, when you put salt in something, it changes how it tastes, and it's better. It's always better, unless you put too much. We had some mashed potatoes one time. And, okay, so, Salt, it makes, it just, you know, it makes something that's bland and lifeless come alive, you know, and has flavor. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth, the, the ones that are bringing who God is to those around us, you know, and sharing about who he is and making it better. But if it loses its flavor, what's it good for? How does it, it doesn't, it can't get its flavor back. What are you going to do with it? And he's like, it's, it's not even good for the dunghill. I don't know exactly what that means, but don't even throw it on a pile of poop because it's not going to do anything. <laughs> if salt doesn't have its flavor, there's no point in having it. 
this relationship that, that we have with God, if it doesn't flavor things, if it doesn't change things, what is it good for? What, what I, I want to have the best, saltiest flavor of who God is that I can possibly have. I don't want to lose that taste of who He is. That somebody comes around and they don't even know that I know God. You know, that I have this relationship with Christ. Like I'm walking by, and they're like, just like anybody else. Just bland and lifeless. No, we want to walk by. And they're like, ooh, something smells good. I'm coming to eat here. Invite me over for dinner because I'm hungry. You know, <laughs> that's what our life should be like. You can smell it. It's like, you know, you smell the dinner, you, you know, especially if it's real good. You can smell it outside before you come in the house. I was smoking some ribs the other day, and the, and the uh, FedEx guy or the UPS guy came, and he's like, ooh, something smells good around here. And I'm like, yes, it does. <laughs> you know? That's what, that's what our life should be like, that's what our relationship with God should be like. Are we spending that time with him? Are we allowing him to make us salty and not the salty that the kids say? I don't really even know what it's like. What does it even mean? Anyway, I'm old now, apparently. Like, don't be salty. Anyway, totally different meaning. Somebody can explain it to me. Um, I think it's like, don't cry, don't be whiny or something like that. But we want to be salty. We want to flavor the world around us. We want the world to come into the dinner party that God has prepared for us. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.